Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to the final episode of the first series of Rerun the Rivalry. You better believe the next feud we're covering will not last 16 matches. <laughs> this is the podcast within the podcast in which myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross chose to cover every match let's go for every televised match in the future if we're because i bloody hell i'm not tracking down wwf house shows from the 2000s to complete <laughs> some future feud we've talked about but we just walk, we're going to talk about every significant step along the way of a great rivalry in wrestling and we started with the greatest ever perhaps and we're finishing with the match that they literally had like a couple of weeks ago, less than that, from when this episode started. And so it actually happened after the rerun the rivalry was originally meant to finish. So this would have been a, a bonus episode of sorts. But we're giving it to you also for free, like all of our other content. <laughs> yeah, I think we're kind of bastardizing the notion of a bonus in many ways, Simon, aren't we? Yeah. But anyway, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the main event at the recent uh, New Japan Battle of the Valley pay-per-view event in which Hiroshi Tanahashi is challenging for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in the year of our Lord 2023, believe it or not. And not only that, he's challenging against Kazuchika Okada. It's the first time that they fought for this championship in particular depending on how you look at the way the lineages work and what have you. And fine, so I just just get it off your chest now. Why do you hate the IWGP World Heavyweight? I mean, I'm pretty sure we discussed this in our Championship Belts episode. Yeah. But to be fair, I genuinely didn't remember us recording it and suggested we did it as a future episode quite recently. <laughs> so why do you hate the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship so much? I've put my finger on it. It gives me Divas Championship vibes. It's the same sort of shape, like a butterfly. I can't get past that. Well, I think it's meant to be a crown. (sighs) The idea of it was that it was sort of a reference to all of the previous four designs of the belt, and one of which was the second version's crown, which is essentially the second version. A variant of that is now what the IWGP Women's Championship is, that we see Okada clacking, doing that belt clacking thing that people have been doing since the Revival did it back in 2016 or whatever. Clink me. It's clink. It's not clacking. It's clinking. Whatever. You say potato. So does everyone else. Who the hell ever says potato? No, they say clink. The revival said clink me in all of their promos. Ugh. I mean, that's not doing them any favours. <laughs> well, the less on that at the minute, the better. Clink me. No flips, just fists. Top guys out. I mean, they know what they're doing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And two men who definitely know what they're doing inside the wrestling ring are Tanahashi and Okada. Does Okada know exactly what he's doing in the wrestling ring that much anymore? <laughs> really, we say this, and the stuff that he's been doing with Kiyomiya yeah. has been some of his most exciting stuff in years, really. So maybe that's not entirely fair. This was happening... Just around that time, wasn't it? it Okada had a bit of a, has had a bit of a crazy run recently. Yeah. Won the title. He's basically said, I'm a reincarnation of Antonio Inoki. <laughs> he he uh, 
Don't go into politics, Sir Carter, for the love of God. Your Cocada days are going to come up. Oh, God. You're going to have to have a lot of photos to explain. Yeah, and balloons are increasingly less eco-friendly these <laughs> days. So. That was not the balloon the US expected when they shot it there. <laughs> <laughs> but the entire state of Montana was having one hell of a party afterwards. Anyway. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Elk wired off their eyeballs. <laughs> it's, it's, I suppose it's better than that than all of the fucking opioids the rest of the people in that state are on. Anyway, oh, uh, one of the notes I made of this is Okada is slow these days. Mm. I mean, he always was kind of methodical when he was in control, but he's taking it to Randy Orton chinlock era. I mean, it's funny, he has been in so many ways had similarities to Randy Orton. Except he hasn't gone through that phone-throwing phase that we're aware of. I suppose that's what Kokada was, maybe. <laughs> it's getting to the point where I'm, I'm starting to turn on Okada as well. Not as... You know, some people just did such extremes. I mean, he still had, you know, the recently voted Wrestling Observer Match of the Year for last year with Will Ospreay. Mm. And it wasn't just Ospreay that was behind that. But the days of Okada having all of those amazing matches, you know, like the 2016-2018 IWGP Heavyweight title reign... This doesn't feel like it's going to be a repeat of that. Do you reckon he's like heading just... It's a conscious decision to slow down. It's, it's yeah. boredom. It might be a combination of things. A lack of motivation. It might be him feeling like he has to show a sign of maturity. But it's unfortunately turned into a, just a decrease in interest in his matches. But it may also genuinely be a, a character trait in the setup of him getting some sort of comeuppance. The way that he behaved in the whole Kiyomiya situation... Yeah. It's all leading to him getting some sort of comeuppance, whether it's going to be because of politics, Kiyomiya, that they allow to get that big win on him at some point in the future. Or mm. if, as we've speculated in the previous episode, it's only Yuya Uemura going to turn up and be just Okada 2.0 or something. <laughs> or, you know, Tai Chi tai just had a uh, five-star match. Mm. <laughs> 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 I mean, Meltzer gave the Takagi match 4.75 stars, so we could have been covering that instead of this first. Yeah. It's not like his match with Jay White was bad. It was just it was following Omega Osprey, and Jay White just was never able to get out of Okada what he got out of Kotrabushi. Yeah. In these situations. Yeah. And now he's ridden off into the sunset, so... Yeah. And the Tanahashi of this time, the implication going into this is that the gap between them in quality is somewhere between the perceived gap going into their second match and the actual gap going into their first match. Mm. The way that Okada behaves in this match is almost at the start as condescending as Tanahashi was to Okada when when he was a young lion. Yeah. And Okada does look very bemused when Tanahashi does hit the air guitar pose, like partway through. He's like, "You're you're not supposed to be confident enough to taunt in this match." Yeah, you know how we were saying that maybe this is the match that will, when it happens, it will be happening in non-Japanese markets for crowds that have come to have an, a reverence to both these guys. That just seeing them in the ring together will make them lose their shit. Well, we do get holy shit chance at the start of this match, like that other American match in this series, where you first raised this point when we covered that back in 2019 in Dallas. Well, I wanted to raise a point as well, because either this crowd is not mic'd as well, or the excitement isn't what it once was, because the crowd 
just didn't sound as up for this as the one-third full American Airlines arena was. <laughs> it's weird. They're less well-lit. Well, I think it's just basic production budget. It's obvious that G1 Climax had the New Japan production company, which I believe is TV aside. It's not actually New Japan people that do that. Yes. And this is clearly New Japan US people that are doing it. I mean, God's sake, they didn't even fly red shoes over. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's when I see the referee and I'm like, oh, if that's not a visual sign that we're not at the apex of this rivalry, I don't know what is. When red shoes can't be asked. (laughs) Well, this matches it. I'll say right now, the maximum I could rate this match is three and a half stars. So this is the (sighs) first time since Okada's return from the learning excursion that they've had a match that I could not in any way justify giving four stars. The last two, it was always like four stars was their ceiling and maybe not even that high with the previous match. But this one, I feel like I'm being kind by giving it three and a half stars. If the first American match in 2019 was, as we said, like uh, somewhere between a greatest hits set or a greatest hits medley at the Super Bowl, Mm. This is the equivalent of a stripped-down MTV Unplugged session. They're playing the hits, but they're not playing it with near as much passion and fervour as before. Yeah, maybe more like a corporate gig for, like, Facebook or something like that. Corporate's probably a bit harsh, because that suggests a heartlessness to it. The way I'd say with acoustic and stripped-down is more because... Tanahashi barely has any teeth left anymore, let alone any cartilage in his bones. So you can't have a go at him for half-arsing it. I mean, the fucker still does the high-fly flow off the top rope. I was like, maybe this is the match where we don't... Nope, he's still gonna... Yeah, okay. He's still gonna do that, of course. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt off. The whole thing felt off compared to what we've expected for them. It wasn't filmed like it. It was, it was in a venue. I mean, it was a smaller venue than the Young Lion Okada match. Yeah. And it felt more sparsely attended. I think the match that people were more... I mean, they'd sold it out without even putting this match on the card. So a lot of people were kind of baffled why they did it. Yeah. But maybe it was in the hopes of getting more pay-per-view buys. Quite possibly. But the, the match that people were most excited for going into this was the whole mercedes Monet kyrie match. Yeah, I was going to say, it might be because they weren't quite ready to headline a show with a women's match. And they would have had to have, really, in terms of, like, buzz... I think it's very hard to justify having an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match not main event any New Japan card. Yeah, but they didn't book it first, did they? (laughs) They built the greatest storyline in wrestling history, arguably, around the one time they did it before then. Yeah, true, but I don't know. Like maybe, maybe like you're right. It's just to like give give the American fans a treat by having this match. But when, when I talk about offness. Not really a word, but we we move. I talk not just about the production values, but some of the moves that Okada executes don't seem quite right. Like, his DDT onto the ramp looked very clunky, personally. Well, his top rope elbow just misses. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a misconnection. I don't know if he gets psyched out by like, the way Tanahashi's moving or stuff like that. They're not at their A game. It just doesn't seem right, this match. It just seems... Like, someone's out of time by, like, half a beat in a band, basically. Let's make one thing clear. This is still a good match. There are are wrestlers that have made a full-time living in wrestling that have never had a match as good as this. Yeah. But we're just... And especially because of how we've, like, uh, recorded this by, like, basically watching them over an eight-week period. 
I've just been exposed to their best work quite recently, so... Yeah. I guess that's why we're judging this with a harsher lens than perhaps it should be judged. Yeah. And it's like, you know, everyone does slow from the knees up to their feet, forearm exchanges towards the end of a match all the time. Yeah. The problem was, they came from the amazingness of the early matches like that these guys were having, and they made all of their forearm exchanges always mean something. This one felt like it was just... We have to have it. Yeah. yeah. It's like a table spot involving the Dudleys in the year 2016. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Okada, he's changed his look all over again. It's funny mm. seeing how, how quick, how often he changes his look over time. You know, the Rainmaker went through various poses. Like, his his first look with the purple hair was like a dash of, like, youthful insolence punk. Then yeah. quickly you switch to that sort of gold appearance of just all imperious blinged up you know like i've always said cristiano ronaldo meets rick flair sort of thing which is his best version yeah then we got the cocada version that itself evolved until he returned to his form of rainmaker then we got like the world's champion white version of okada with sort of rainbow trunks occasionally and the and the jacket that has all the flags on it which was him also like talking about mm. seeing himself as like a national figure and now we've got Inoki cosplay Okada right down to him even finishing Florian Tanahashi starting with him hitting an Enziguri Inoki's trademark move yeah I know they really want to honor Inoki I just don't understand why they're doing it this way well it feels like it's sapping personality from Okada yes you know, you look at how gorgeous, colourful and bright and exciting his look was. And now it's a very bare bones, old school Inoki robe. But the only reference to the Rainmaker being that there's Okada dollars cut over it. And then yeah. his trunks are just pure black, but it's the Rainmaker style short shorts. Yeah. I prefer the Shawn Michaels Rainmaker flared trousers look over this version. <laughs> Yeah, it looks a bit Young Lion-esque almost, doesn't it? Well, that's deliberate, isn't it? Because the Young Lions dress the way they do because they're essentially taking the Inoki look as, like, the starting point and then yeah. building it from there. Yeah. So that's why, you know? But your, like, ace of your company shouldn't be dressed like your entry-level guys, basically. It just well, looks No, off. because he's not, is he? Because he's dressing as Inoki. And Inoki yeah. always wore that. That was what Inoki wore. Yeah. And so other guys did do that, like Kensuke Sasaki wore just black trunks for ages, so did Manabu Nakanishi, so does Katsuyori Shibata, so does Ren Narita, you know. Yeah, but a character as colourful as Okada is shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, so who knows. And it also doesn't really make sense if a guy thinks he is like the best in the world, why would you then like... Model yourself off someone else. Granted, it's someone who's iconic in the world of New Japan. But then why would you, like... Not model, but, like, why would you, like, tribute so heavily to diminish your own shine? It just doesn't fit Okada's character. I think you can argue that it's essentially... You know, it's like that that thing I was telling you about how uh, Bill Burr's whole routine about how Steve Jobs used to present himself at the product launches. Jesus, Gandhi! Me! <laughs> this is Okada essentially saying, Inoki, me! Mm. Like, that he's a level above even Tanahashi, Muto, 
Hashimoto, Fujinami, Choshu, all of those guys. He's the inheritor of Inoki that none of those people could be. Quite possibly. And Okada's arrogant enough to think that. Yes, that is true. But uh, we're in a weird phase now, though, with Okada, because he now wants to... I mean, after this match, he's talked about challenging for the tag team titles with Tanahashi. I think he just wants to hold... I think he wants to hold nearly all the belts, doesn't he? (laughs) Well, he's never held a title outside of the IWGP heavyweight slash world heavyweight title. Yeah. So that's fascinating in itself. And that's the only reason why I think that he might not happen, because maybe they want to keep... You know, it's like Okada was somewhat offended by being anywhere near the Intercontinental title. <laughs> oh, the whole unification thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, what, why am I bothering with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Because the main title's involved. I'm only here for the main title. Yeah. Imagine if he knight-owed it and just yeeted it into the yeah. crowd. <laughs> but the other thing about okada in this match is it also shows that how ultimately quite irrelevant chaos is as a faction now yeah because he he'll be taking on his chaos teammates teaming with a new japan guy yeah like really really once chaos were fully faced really and and started teaming up with new japan guys it served no purpose you know i was just i was watching a video of the history of chaos and you know you know when when we saw that First Young Lion match that started the series off, it ends with Toriyano running in and cutting off Tanahashi's hair. And that was Chaos Yano. Now Chaos Yano and Tanahashi are working together in the tag leagues. <laughs> Obviously, Osprey was Chaos. And I guess that's the last like flurry of Chaos being relevant was him leaving to do his own thing. Well, Jay White also started off with Chaos as well, don't forget, when he came back as Switchblade. Ah, that's but he true. said from the start, oh, I'm blatantly going to leave you guys at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was honest, which for a Bullet Club leader is, is rare. <laughs> the most exciting stuff we can see from Okada now is either him finally losing the big match to Osprey or some youngster coming up and doing to Okada what Okada did to Tanahashi. And boy, I mean, I won't suggest that we start rerun the rivalry Okada versus, let's say, Yuimura. But, yeah, I mean, it's because of these matches that Okada is where he is. Mm. And boy, is it a legacy to to follow, you know. The match is decent as this. A good 21-minute crowd-pleasing match. Feels like a, the equivalent of a wet fart in this, <laughs> this series. Yeah, like I say, you do say it is all comparative. Do you think Okada could be the Tanahashi in that rivalry, though? Do you reckon he could, like, carry a guy through and, like... Well, I think it needs to be a motivated Okada. But yeah. if Yuimura does turn out to be as good an Okada as Okada was at 23, then we don't need to worry that much because Okada can still clearly physically go as proven by matches with Osprey and Takagi. Yeah. But the the Tanahashi story just doesn't work with Okada that much anymore, I guess. that They're not going to come up with anything new now, which is a shame because the whole thing at the start is they're building it up is maybe this is Tanahashi's last chance at a title. Well, you've got to build it up better than this. You've got to do a yeah. Ricky Choshu in 96. You... You've got to do something more than this to get that going. And obviously, I think what you need to do that for that is for it to be in Japan in front of a red-hot, sold-out crowd. So maybe yeah. there is one last Okada-Tanahashi classic in them 
but I don't know. I mean, Tanahashi is just getting, Tanahashi's getting so much slower, and when you're opening your jacket, and that's the torso you're revealing, I'm sorry, but, you know, look, most 46-year-old men would dream of it, but (laughs) what we know a Tanahashi torso can look like. Yeah, hey, hey, I'd take that now. I would take that torso now. (laughs) I would have taken that at any point in my life. In yeah. my physical... Although, if I'd have been six, it would have been weird. But... <laughs> <laughs> Mom, what's for tea? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's wrap this up. If Tanahashi and Okada win the IWGP Tag Team titles, we'll, we'll do a bonus for that. It seems weird to end it like this. I Well, we'll see more Tanahashi Okada matches in the future, barring any injuries, and we'll bring this back up then. My guess is, like I've said, in the future... I can't see Okada giving him another title shot. And I do like that they've kept the tradition that Okada has to challenge Tanahashi. Yeah. Like, every time they face where Tanahashi's the challenger, it's either been because after he lost his um, King of Pro Wrestling back in 2013, for fuck's sake, (laughs) every time since then, it's been either Tanahashi's the champion or Okada has challenged him or Okada became the champion after Tanahashi earned the right to the title shots. Yeah. I do like that they've kept that continuity going. If someone said, I want to watch some New Japan. I've said recently I made like a playlist of 25 matches for a friend. I don't think he's watched any of them yet. Mm. And like six of the first seven are uh, Tanahashi Okada matches from the first few years of their rivalry. Yeah. I do think it's basically as good as New Japan Pro Wrestling gets really uh, mm. on those matches, especially the run from dominion where tanahashi wins the title back for the first time and i will actually include their their 2018 trilogy whilst i do think it's a slight step down it's still fantastic wrestling and a show of what you can do after the feud has peaked yeah but if you take it from okada winning the title in the shocker to okada winning wrestle kingdom 10 then some people would argue that that's that is the greatest storyline in wrestling history. Certainly mm. just from an in-ring perspective. Yeah. And it's helped by how simple the whole thing is. It's it's man, cocky young upstart, wins, loses and realises there has, has to be more to it than just raw ability. And not learning that lesson, basically. And also, the top guy having to be put out, fighting through to the end. Yeah. And as I said, in the first few matches, he is the protagonist of the story. And... You know, you can watch it from a Tanahashi perspective and see it as a great sad ending in many ways, but a rewarding one. Like, he isn't cheated out of it. He just ultimately, like all of us, has to succumb to time. Yeah, well, <laughs> it'll get us all in the end, unfortunately. Well, you say, speak for yourself. I was like, what do you know? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. No, no, no. My days of being a, a, a youthful and arrogant in that sense are over. That's it for now. We already given away, I think, several times that the next rerun the rivalry we'll be doing in December of 2023 will be Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness in their Ring of Honor run. Because one of them's definitely retired and they won't tack on to the end. Yeah. The problem with this is that we'll never have a rivalry, I think, that necessarily covers as long a period of time. Like, everything else is going to have to be quite an intense short space. Yeah. And especially with American ones, like, looking at WWE ones, you've either got to cover loads of 
two-minute matches on Raw or whatever, so formatting's difficult. So a Ring of Honor storyline was the next logical one to go down, and I want us to do more Danielson, and I want us to do more Ring of Honor. And I also think Nigel McGuinness, we need to keep fighting to keep Nigel McGuinness's memory alive here. Yeah. I think if we were to do a WWE one, I think we would have to keep it to pay-per-view alone, almost. Well, we've talked about a variant, you know, even before we established the format, we were working on variants of it. Yeah, we do have a quite yeah. epic one that will be about a rivalry, but we'll go even beyond that mm. if we do it. But that will be December 2024 at the earliest, and let's not even think about that right now. <laughs> oh, God. Seems so far away, but it'll sneak right up on us. We could have President-elect Trump to be thinking of at that point. Don't. Oh, I, I don't even know anymore. I didn't say which Trump, Simon. Oh, stop it. <laughs> but anyway, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you with some suggestions for future rerun the rivalries, how can they do so? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the... Uh, <laughs> free for the number of vertebrae the woman who was headbanging to Okada's theme has probably strained in the process. My name is Lorcan Munnell, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, that's the A-N in the second and third letters of San, which I assume is German for whale. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox, if you put in at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com, lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left for me to say except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. We're not 100% sure what the next episode will be. But what we can tell you is that the end of this episode was the final one. And thank you for being with us as we re-ran the rivalry.